You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Adventure Trail, where we talk about all things adventurous, outdoors and extreme in Hong Kong and beyond. This week, we're coming off of a relatively quiet week of Chinese New Year that's just behind us. And we've got a weekend of busy running coming up ahead of us with the Standard Chartered Marathon and also the Fast 50 Mile, Fast 50K and Fast 28 uh, put, put on by the Trail Hub. Um, and joining us today will be Jim Walmsley, who will be running the Fast 50 Mile and we'll be talking to him all about his racing and training and his mental game. But first of all, let's catch up with Mark, who's with me as always. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm grand. I mean, like you say, it's been a quiet week in terms of racing, but there has been one event which... Uh all right, painstakingly go out of the way to make sure they aren't a race and that's the Hong Kong Four Trails which has been monumental this year it's 298 kilometers non-stop no support and we got our first ever female finisher did you follow it closely I did follow it very closely online and I just kept refreshing that page and tracking those dots as they were making their way up and down and across Hong Kong everywhere it was just enthralling yeah I mean Nikki Han uh, is now the first ever finisher uh, who's a female and it is it's phenomenal. I'm just, it's astounding. I get uh, I get so emotional at that finish line in particular. Mm-hmm. And then when she came through and everyone was chanting like, Nikki, Nikki. Yeah, it's I've watched so- that clip about five times and each time I've teared up a little bit just yeah. seeing her come across the finish line and then kiss the post box and then make, crack a joke about having alcohol. Yeah, she's, um, we're definitely going to try and get her on the podcast soon. But um, I mean, how significant do you think that is to have a woman who, who's, who's, who's broken that 60 barrier? I think it's huge. The fact that she did it with, over an hour and a half to spare under the 60 hour mark it seems and uh just that she looks so fresh at the end of it at the end of running 298 kilometers with essentially no sleep and she also looked very fresh and happy throughout the race uh, judging from all the videos that i saw on facebook yeah and you gotta you gotta get a ferry across from hong kong island to Lantau to do it She's the first person to break 60 and get the 6 a.m. ferry instead of the 1 a.m. ferry, which is another big thing. The the, t- the starting time changed this year, so you have an extra hour at the one end, but you've got less hours to get there. Yeah, ferry. instead of the 3 a.m., I think, but still. Yeah, so yeah. 3 a.m., sorry, yeah. Three oh. hours, It's yeah, it's a huge gap. I asked her at the end while I was interviewing her, like, is it important to you that you're the first woman? And she just sort of shrugged and looked at me confused. Like, oh, what difference would it make? Which in some ways is, is great that, it doesn't make a difference it's just people are being people but on the other hand you see all of these comments about like she's broken a barrier for us she's broken a glass ceiling and what it means to other people other women to see a woman succeed women are crushing it at the moment in trail running in general all over the world the spine race and oh it's just awesome but that race in particular is is really cool yep i really can't imagine doing anything like it <laughs> yeah and then uh tomo who is the one of the other finishers who's t- taken part in the barclay he, he's uh, I think he's the first person to have done both or taken part mm. in both and he was like this is harder the trail right the trails are harder here which mm-hmm. is uh, I could see Andre the organizer absolutely chuffed that yeah. somebody compared the two and told him it was harder <laughs> and we have uh, a local another local runner Stone Tang who uh, completed it in under 60 hours previously and now is setting himself a new goal of doing it under 50 so the bar is definitely being raised yeah he uh, then posted on, on social media i said sometime not next year <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah right now we got jim wamsley who's one of the best trail runners in the world um 
Ultra Trail Runner of the Year, two years in a row in 2016 and 2017. So really excited about having him on, not just because he's such an awesome runner, but also because he seems to attract some real controversy around him for no particular reason. He's um, he's a target for a lot of tra- uh, for a lot of trolls on Twitter. Do you follow him much? Have you seen much of his running over the last few years? Yeah, and just seeing him smash the 2018 Western States 100 miler record this past uh, in, in 2018 after having had to either bail in 2017 or just make a really disastrous wrong turn in 2016 and just have him come back and do it and smash the record again in 2018 or smash the record for the first time in 2018. That's quite amazing to see. Yeah, it must have been massive, massively cathartic for him to come back after uh, two failed attempts. But um, then to immediately back that up, change his goal, get motivated and, and get himself into the qualifications for the Olympic marathon running is such a massive different goal to 100 miles. So really looking forward to hearing about what makes him tick and what keeps him motivated. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the Adventure Trail podcast. Um, you're our sort of second high, high profile runner in the in the course of two episodes. You had Magna a couple of weeks ago. So thanks for coming hey, on. Yeah, awesome. Good, good person to follow there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes us sound like we're really high profile. But <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you're, um, you've had an impressive sort of 12 months. And I'm just really interested in sort of how you stay motivated. After the Western States record, it must have been really cathartic to finally get that done. And then I spoke to you a couple of days later and you're already talking about getting into Olympic marathon running. How do you how do you just keep that drive through all of those different moments of elation? Yeah, I think it's always about keeping something on your plate and making goals going forward and not worrying so much about the past. And it, it kind of yeah keeps you worried about the next thing on on deck. And uh, you got to pick goals that excite you and kind of get you out the door and motivate you to go train your butt off. Yeah, but do you know? I mean, is there any danger of sort of mentally burning out? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to go through the ebbs and flows and read your body. And like, for instance, this one I rolled into a bit quick after my last uh, race, which was a half marathon, and I've been pretty tired. So uh, I just haven't quite done the the volume that I usually would for uh, a big, big race. That would be kind of more summer western state sort of thing but uh it's a balance and you just have to read your your body and kind of how you're feeling like roll with the good times and when you're feeling good add a little more and if you're feeling tired it's it's time to back off a little bit and uh, have you have you got better at like reading your body over time i mean it, it must be difficult to balance like sticking to a training plan versus reading your body and giving yourself time off yeah i think uh you need to listen to your body and i've definitely become a lot better at it but at the same time there's times where I tell myself to shut up and get the training in because if if the stakes are high enough at a big race like uh, UTMB or Western States, you you got to get in the work and you're not going to feel good during the ma- majority of it. You said earlier about just constantly having something in your plate. Do you have a big goal list that you're just constantly adding to? What yeah, I mean, like? it starts with trying to create a schedule uh, each year and even picking races a couple years out that... Uh, the schedule will revolve around a little bit of what races can I fit in here and there uh, in the long term thing, but um, the the races in between fill out as they get closer. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, typically, like I, I would say, I have a more detailed list of races for this year. But then you ask me about twenty twenty, it's like, uh, well, we'll see. And part of the nice part of about that is that I'm my own boss kind of with that and uh, if I don't feel like doing something or I get a little too tired I, I'll adjust things so I 
it's only me keeping me uh, accountable to do the races I say I'm going to do. And usually I do, but at the same time, you got to look after yourself. And if it's not the right time, then you don't have to do it. Yeah, and it must take a lot of mental and physical energy just to keep running at that super elite level. And I've seen you say elsewhere that, you know, for for anyone to, you know, get into and stay in ultra running, you've got to have that kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, what What is that crazy to you? How do you define it? Well, I guess in this particularly, it would be running really far. <laughs> uh, so it, it would be more about um, motivating yourself to want to do that. And it's you're going to get to a tough spot in the race and a part where you want to quit and it doesn't feel good. And you're like, why? You're questioning everything. And uh, you got to be able to answer those questions in the race. And a lot of that's just your mental preparation and getting motivated towards that goal and putting in all that work and uh, investing yourself in it. And that's going to be your answer come race day is that blood and sweat of training that you've put into it. Is there a tangible mental preparation or does it just come hand in hand when you put in the miles? It's a bit of hand in hand, but um, definitely I, I think at an elite level or uh, a goal that's really pushing yourself regardless um, of what level you're competing at, if, if it's really challenging you, one of the best ways you can do is just mentally prepare for it and and visualize it and see yourself accomplishing that goal again and again and again. And when race day comes, it's like, look, I I've feel like I've been in these shoes and we're, we're ready to do it. The work's been put in and uh, you're ready to fight there on race day. Cool. And talking about sort of those lists of goals, would you scrumple up that piece of paper and throw it in the bin if you got in the 2020 Olympics? And yeah. That would be all- yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think as far as running, uh, it doesn't get bigger than the Olympics. and to be able to perform on that stage. But at the same time, uh, it, it's not quite, uh, a marathon's not quite hand in hand of what I do on ultra trail running. So it, it's not perfectly in sync. So yeah, I'm giving up ra- opportunities to do races and training and other things, but it's Olympics is once every four years. That's part of the beauty about it. And everything else can kind of hit pause if that did work out. It, it's quite the moonshot right now. Um, I would say most people, on the track or in the marathon are on the track and in the marathon because they're very, very good at it. And, uh, I, I've maybe, maybe not hit those times per se. And, uh, but I've developed a lot being able to continue running on the ultra trails. And I, I think I've gained a lot of strengths through doing a, a little different training and a little different approach than maybe what's traditional in a shorter, uh, yeah, shorter marathon. Yeah, um, shorter, a quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did that Olympic goal materialize for you? Is it something that you've been stewing on for a long time now? Yeah, it has. Uh, it kind of works a, a little bit hand in hand with a race like Comrades or uh, some road ultras like going after a 100k road ultra. Um, those goals seem to align a lot better. I think uh, if a marathoner is coming up to ultra distances, it'll translate a lot better to get into comrades road ultras something fast flat like that um i'm kind of going a little backwards uh just with the olympic cycle to try to knock out a couple things that seem to be grouped together and then uh after 2020 i hopefully do comrades next year um try to get in that way uh so 2020 comrades and that's about bigger goals that excite me sort of thing going back to that but uh i i think success or or learning process through the 2020 us trials it'll set me up for a better comrades that way um and yeah we'll we'll try a marathon when when are the olympic trials again 
February 2020 uh, in Atlanta. Okay, so it's like a couple of years away. I mean, will other will other people who are trying to qualify for that? I mean, even though the Conrads is flatter and more in line, will other marathon runners be even including that at all? Those kind of um, distances. I mean, the Conrad is 56 miles, is it? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. I, I would say a comrades, pe- people winning it nowadays on the men's side are generally from a marathon background. You're, you're going to get uh, 208 to 212 guys that are most competitive in it. Um, you, you still get outliers that don't have that marathon PR that are coming in and really pushing up front in that. But for the most part, it's going to be kind of a staple to mm. carry that leg speed uh, that you'd need with a traditional schedule and workout routine. And um, where ultra running, you really focus more aerobically and it can be a lot more laissez faire of going out on the trails and enjoying it. And it's just a different process. I, I really enjoy the process of trail running and ultra trail running. Of it, It's not as structured. You don't necessarily have to fit in two workouts a week, a long run a week, and, and just repeat. Uh, you, you get to kind of go with the ebbs and flows a bit and make it up as you go. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I'll eventually uh, turn the page and go back, straight back to ultra trail running and probably not look back of... Uh, it just seems like a time in my life where I like to kind of take advantage of uh, going after some faster stuff while I still can. I feel like I'm I'm pretty close to as good as I would get in that event um, age-wise. Uh, right now I'm 29, so um, but then in the mid-30s it might be better to just focus on longer mountain stuff because you don't need that super leg turnover. It's going to be more mental strength, grinding over uh, experience and, and different factors that are probably going to be most beneficial in a scenario like that yeah and how did you um balance the different training demands between smashing the western states 100 (laughs) record and then not that long after running a 104 half marathon are you working in blocks and focusing on specific things or yeah so generally i'm in blocks and um after western states i got ready for utmb which is even more drastically different than hitting the roads and uh, just went all towards that. It's more hiking. You do kind of like a weighted vest. You got the poles out. Uh, very, very different than running on the roads. But then um, I started getting ready for San Francisco, the North Face San Francisco 50-mile race in November. Um, and so that race is a bit more up-tempo, fast, and you got to do something to get the legs turning over for that one because it is fast enough. You want to kind of improve your efficiency and running economy with for that one but um that race ended up getting canceled because of some local fires and air pollution being too poor and it was like pretty pretty obvious choice for race directors but that basically led into do you throw a race on your schedule to replace it or um what i chose to do instead is just take that fitness and volume and roll it into uh kind of speed work for a half marathon in january that i was planning on doing but i thought Maybe to hit 104 or run faster um, would take me one or two tries just because I'm coming from a drastically different background to run um, basically 301 per K uh, for 21K. So uh, it was it was a process and it took a while, but it was a really kind of rewarding goal because I, I got to see quite a bit of change as I was going towards that goal and as it became closer and closer. And uh, yeah, it was fun because it, gave me definitely some butterflies before the race and yeah i kind of cherish that that part and then you nailed it within the second yeah you're kind of squeezing it in like uh, we we didn't start out blistering fast we actually started out too slow and you just kind of had to squeeze it and 
make, make it up, but uh, we, we, I thought we let it go, and I thought it was out of grasp, but um, a couple of us had enough to pick, pick it up pretty late, and uh, probably out of a group of 10, maybe three of us got it. Um, Does and, that give you and a everybody was shooting for it. What? Like knowing that even when it didn't necessarily go well, you could turn it around. Yeah, like I, I, I felt really good out there. Um, I, I definitely don't have that closing speed of I'm going to finish in 60-second quarter at the end. But uh, I was able to squeeze in. I was really strong during the miles and the early parts of it and the middle part. Um, you you kind of get that gut check and really like when you show up and you try it, um, how does it feel? How How is it going? And even during the race, I was like, we, we may have let today go and stuff, but I was like, big takeaway was like, oh yeah, it's no problem to hop back in this and get it again and stuff. But it'd be fun to go after a half marathon and try to get a bit faster time. That's cool. And and then, I mean, it, it's awesome that it's 104 time. That's so, so impressive. But like some people on Twitter were so, sort of going after you a little bit and saying, yeah. well, he only made it by one second. He's going to get uh, trashed at the actual qualifiers and things. But why do you think you attract, like in a sport that like prides itself in community, why do you, th- you think you attract <laughs> these kind of comments? Um, I, I think uh, it's kind of been, so someone said I, I kind of invite people along for the ride. So uh, it, it's a very open discussion and open uh, journey to go through. Um, People kind of ask me, like, what's my next race? And I'll tell them, like, hey, I'm doing Houston Half Marathon, and that's what I'm going to try to do. And they're like, well, why are you doing that? And all of a sudden, they're intrigued by it. And But then other people are like, oh, this is ridiculous. And there, there's But there's discussion. It's healthy discussion, and it's uh, it seems to be fun and kind of excite people in both directions. So it uh, feels like I'm doing it right. Yeah, but it's not just for the, I mean, do you think it's on the back of you were so vocal about wanting to go after the record of, at the Western States and that sort of thing? Um, well, I, th- I think it goes again of like that That was my goal. I just felt like I stayed it early and people got to ride that uh, in, with me in 2016 and it unfortunately became a three-year saga instead of just a one-year race. Uh, I I mean, didn't didn't get the record the first time or the second time and the second time was probably even more of a failure so people are just hopping on that like oh he's just ridiculous but then uh fortunate enough that things worked out the third time and um i don't know we'll see how the fourth one goes this year all oh, right you're, <laughs> yeah. you're going straight back for it yeah yeah the kind of the thing with the schedule it worked out of uh i wanted to do comrades this year but other things popped up on my schedule and um it just Western States is probably fits in mm. best and uh, yeah, we'll go after it again. I think it plays to my strengths really well and hopefully I don't need to uh, press the pace quite as much and I can sit and maybe race a little more tactically this year. Yeah, I mean, I my when I get comments on my articles at work, I, I need to get a thicker skin. I'm like livid <laughs> and I take them really personally. Do you do you ever get like, do you ever read comments uh, about you and think, and and get angry or is it always just oh well it's part of the discussion we'll take it yeah yeah i'd say it's more part of the discussion just entertaining and uh try try to leave it alone as much as possible but i I read through things so it's funny things give me a laugh and just like oh man this is ridiculous and (laughs) and and even like people going like oh he's gonna run a 206 marathon and it's just like yeah right like well that's as ridiculous (laughs) as as an ace is I, i i would love that too but uh yeah it's not most likely not going to happen. That one's a bit further than a moonshot, I'd say. Yeah, I need to 
get some of your attitude. I end up replying to loads of them like, that's not what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's probably my saving grace is I don't reply to anything. Oh, and don't, I, if I do anything, it's just reading and then uh, don't reply. I mean, it, it would be an endless battle if I started replying. Yeah. Um, and do you think, it, I mean, everything from training to those blase off uh, comments do you think it helps that you've got like such a close-knit group the cocachino cowboys yeah coconino coconino <laughs> uh, sorry yeah coconino cowboys i mean we definitely run everything past each other and ebbs and flows of training uh it's really relatable because probably one of the most beneficial things is like when we're doing a lot of training it's just like man i'm i'm buried and i'm tired and but then like yeah man me too and it's just you're like well i guess everybody that would try this is buried and tired and stuff you know like it's just normal process and uh we've done it enough times especially uh whether it's myself or as a group um you kind of come out of it and it comes together on race day more times than not so uh th there's a bit of trust with just some sort of process that we've developed but i wouldn't say we've formalized and uh made it like a step-by-step -step process but I, I would say most of it's a mental approach of uh how, how we're kind of pushing each other out there and what about when uh the first two years of the western states and they didn't go so well like how much did that help you having that sort of support group yeah everybody's super encouraging and uh we we kind of get to train together and you see other guys success whether it's tim ferricks or cody reed or jared hazen just running away at some of the other races and you're just like you train with them and you kind of know comparison wise like on a good day maybe maybe i'm i'm even like i didn't run that race but i i could have done that and uh they look at me and they're like well well i i can keep up with him in training so maybe on a good day i would win western states like that so um yeah i i think as a group we've had enough success where uh we we get confidence from each other yeah and this approach of training together as a group is very different from your racing strategy where you've mentioned yeah. elsewhere that you like to isolate other runners and isolate yourself and kind of go at it that way. Can, can you talk a little about what the thinking is behind that? Well, it's a bit of front-running tactics, I would say. Um, just kind of maybe a poker game where you're kind of calling people of like, well, how, like how good a hand do you think you have and do you think you have as good a hand as me and uh, how much are you willing to risk? Uh, so part, part of that is just putting people in a vulnerable position in a race when you're trying to front run and sometimes everybody in the front blows up and someone else that played it safe and uh bet differently uh ends up winning it but a lot of times if you do bet big on yourself and you you're you're ready to race aggressive and you you've done the work and you've done the training um sometimes that's when the most special races come together and did you race similarly like this like this aggressively in back in high school and college in high school for sure in college i think was more humbling uh definitely didn't win a lot of races in college but uh won several conference titles uh but on the national level um never really broke through i i think i feed off of running in the front a bit more and that that front running kind of game i i really enjoy that and like the strategy with that but uh when i get buried in a pack a little bit more um maybe the the confidence gets shaken a little bit and uh didn't didn't really break through quite as much when it was a, a much deeper deeper field and if you, is that i mean if you're cognizant of that is that something you can work on um, and like keeping your confidence even if you're not necessarily at the front from the beginning well i mean at this point um i think i've been able to replicate the ultra trail running and um winning big races uh enough that if i were to be in a pack it's 
you just trust like you've done it before and it's no problem i mean it's kind of understanding uh at bigger races nowadays you're just getting more and more guys especially as just the sports kind of exploding and uh becoming a lot more popular and competitive but um i've been able to replicate it enough you just rely on that and you're training with guys that have replicated it and you just you, you gain confidence on the the past experiences that way so you don't expect to be changing the strategy anytime soon well, I don't. I, you have to kind of take advantage of the race as it is. Uh, if people are um, being real patient, being real strategic, and you don't really want to put yourself out there all day, um, which I mean, that's a hard way to go about it. It's hard to run in the front that long all day, and you're literally by yourself all day. Like, you talk about a boring run. Uh, go off the front and just run by yourself all day. Uh, it's yeah you're, you're definitely running away from people um with, with a bit of fear that way but uh it, it can be motivating that way um it, it's probably just dependent i i would say something like uh fast 100 ultra this weekend um the the training isn't super super perfect and it hasn't been a big build up for this race it's been uh i'm really fit i'm healthy and stuff but uh It'll be probably more on a tactical side of things. And when, when I'm really, really ready for a race, I, I would love to take it to people with a bit more front running. But um, if I just know I'm fit and I want to see where it is, it might be just kind of waiting until you, you feel that moment in the race where you might be able to crack it open. And hopefully it's in the second half, not the, <laughs> the first half. Because uh, then again, it just puts you way out there for a long time. And uh when you don't have people around you, sometimes you lose, especially here is a good example because it reminds me of Diagonal de Fu. Uh, the, the climbs are just endless and steps and forever. So um, sometimes you lose the fact that like, oh, I don't need to run this part. And I, I remember being told after Diagonal de Fu, it was like, oh, you're running this section. Like it was amazing and no one else was running it. And like, yeah, wait a second, like no one else was running it. And you, you lose context <laughs> of maybe the pacing that you should be and you're pushing too hard and all of a sudden you just run yourself into the ground mm -hmm. where when you have other runners around you, there's there's pacing you can feel someone in. Like if you feel someone else is struggling, you go like, all right, well, I, I'm feeling good. Or if you're struggling but you're keeping up, you're like, well, I'm, I'm going to hang in there and I'll, I'll start to feel better and things will come around. And you stay positive, stay positive, and uh, hopefully you, you find a moment where you're feeling better and uh you can exploit kind of a low patch for someone else how conscious of you are you of like during that process of who the other runner is i mean if it's just another runner who happened to be at the front of the pack versus like francois de Hain or or killian or somebody else who you're aware of as a, as a as another big name yeah um i mean the longer the race goes on anyone who's with you uh, is super dangerous so um and the sport's kind of made for people to get into it and be relatively new and break out so I, I think you need to basically respect everybody and especially the longer the race goes on and when people are up there I mean they showed up uh, so uh, I mean you're cognizant of who it is if you know if you know them but um, everyone's dangerous so do you but in even before the race do you uh, does it does it sort of tickle your fancy when you know like oh I could take yeah. this scalp or that scalp or other big names um, I, I would say it keeps your training really honest and keeps you accountable in training when you know other big names are on it um, likewise if if someone maybe I don't know in this race but um, they see my name on it they're going to be like oh I'm going to get hungry I'm going to start training and I'm going to uh, 
really get after training because I could I could get Jim Walmsley scalp sort of thing. Uh, like wait. like uh, Jeff yeah. and Ryan, fourteen yeah. k this weekend. Uh, I'm not sure that's exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly what happened, but uh, <laughs> yeah, straight from the airport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, people get really motivated in training, and it's about putting in the work beforehand to make it happen on race day. So, uh, yeah, you, you, it's good to have those other big names in the race because uh, it doesn't let you slack off. Have you had to deal with injuries in your years of training? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I would say in the majority of my running, uh, injuries happen most probably when I was on the track and it was usually overtraining injuries. And nowadays I've been able to kind of avoid a lot of overtraining injuries. And I think a lot of it has to do with the trail and the undulation of the, the running that you're going on and the difference in the footing and every stride's not exactly the same. I, I haven't had the same injuries. And um, if anything, it's just some lower leg stuff. And I've found some really effective exercises that help prevent from getting too hurt. And uh, luckily so far with ultra trail running, um, haven't had a big time off yet. Yeah. So as you turn back to maybe doing more speed work uh, to prepare for the <laughs> marathon, you'll have to, I mean. Well, the, so the marathon's not track and track. track's not marathon. So the good thing about that is like you, you need, in my opinion and in my approach, it's going to be a uh, really volume based. And I think I can still do a lot of that on the trails and mm. um, at least keep it a bit different and uh, approach it with a, a little more varied uh, base work at least I, th I think once yeah you can't skip out on the speed and the track is the track and uh, um, sometimes the shoes uh, I don't have to get in track spikes ever uh, track spikes just destroy my calves so uh, avoiding that and and stuff uh, I think will help do you run your tracks in in, in hookers yeah, 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 I yeah. run everything in hookers. I mean, they they make track spikes, they make uh, oh, yeah, flats, they that. make all sorts of different shoes to do different workouts. And just like they don't have one trail shoe, they don't have one spike, and they even have cross country spikes now and stuff. Yeah. So, I I think we've had a couple bad day weather stuff where it's just snow outside, and I've taken cross country spikes out on the local uh, flat park and done done a speed <laughs> workout that way. And uh, times weren't good, but it was hard, and I think uh, paid off a lot. Uh, so as you sort of um got into trail running from your college days where it, it was uh, shorter distances is, was there an, is there anybody that you sort of look up to that uh, motivated you in particular um in the ultra trail stuff i mean i i started reading like scott jerks eat and run uh i rob carr was definitely one of the guys that just you talk about dominance in the u.s scene um he was huge i think it was very u.s centric and probably who was running well at the time timmy olsen had just done western state stuff so uh just like anyone beginning kind of who's relevant right now uh, and then probably since being in the sport longer just the appreciation and the history for the sport has grown a lot more and uh interest in digging into more books and reading and like currently i'm reading about uh well bruce fordyce and his book and trying to plant those seeds to get that motivation going to eventually do comrades one day and um trying to yeah just trying to read more about the sport really and it's so i'd say who started like inspiration early is a bit different than probably maybe the best examples of it because uh i've gained a lot more appreciation for just the whole sport in general and it's become more worldwide and you learn like i didn't know about killian when i first started and it's uh he does amazing stuff and francois and they both have very very different talents and um but both the guys are still really current and just that 
yeah, it's one of those sports too where it's like folklore and legend in some parts of it because it's not that old of a sport. And you start digging in the 70s, and then before then, they used to have this race back in uh, 1800, and they would run from this city to the city. And uh, uh, it just, yeah, you really got to dig into it to start appreciating it. And it's almost like you, you don't know until you do until like you start just asking more questions about the sport and stuff do you think of it because it was um maybe like the eat and run that you read early and then the u.s centric is that where your like um drive particularly for the western states came um over another race or was that just inevitable because it's one well of I, I mean i i think the first year i started kind of watching ultras and started learning about them uh western states uh i got invited to pace a, a friend at western states in 2014 so it was like man there's cool race it would be great to be a part of it and then immediately after i went out and camped in silverton colorado for our around hard rock days and stuff and those, those are two races that i've really grown affectionate for and uh, really love but it so it became more of a those are the races i could go to and be a part of and and watch and then you figure out oh you can race in or oh you can start applying for a lottery this way and this and that and um, or just like my, my relationship with hard rock is just, I, I keep showing up. I volunteer every year. And I, I mean, it's pretty special because I've been doing that since anybody knew who I was and, uh, I still try to do it and still go out there and still camp with the same people that I first met and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's just been kind of the, the races that I've grown affectionate for in my backyard sort of thing. I mean, backyard being, uh, America. air quotes, like yeah. a 15 hour drive could be a uh, part of it. Yeah, have you run? You've not run. Have you run Hard Rock? Or just no, no, it? no. Uh, I've been to it the last four years, and I plan to keep going to it. But yeah. uh, haven't haven't ran it, haven't applied for it. But uh, uh, know the course well, and really enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to this year's race with uh, Francois, Xavier, Killian, Dylan Bowman, Jason Schlar. Uh, it's going to be probably one of the more competitive races in the. Yeah. If it's got such a special place to you, like sort of in your development of trail running, why do, why don't you want to run it? Well, I don't think it fits in with comrades and no, the yeah. marathon well, this and year, stuff. In so, general, so, but I mean, so like yeah. in the long term, I'd love for it to be part of uh, a race that I continually do. But um, I also recognize it's not quite um, uh, the best relationship for foot speed. Although I guess I make an exception right now with UTMB, but I think there's more to gain from an American male going to UTMB than uh, going to Hard Rock. Like, uh, you just love to be the first American male to win. Yeah, that? that's still out there for grabs. And uh, yeah, it's a little bittersweet. Maybe I, I, I don't have plans to do it this year. Uh, just kind of taking a break. Uh, I think, I mean, yeah, talk, mainly talking with Francois, actually, just it would probably be best in the long run to step away from it and try to reapproach it after taking a year off and maybe watching it or uh, crewing a friend. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. So uh, may, who knows? Uh, maybe uh, one of the other American men will get it this year. Oh, cool. Well, um, that's all the questions we had to ask. Um, thanks very much for coming in, Jim. It's really, really intriguing to hear about what makes you tick and uh, exciting to hear the massive amount of huge goals that you're publicly saying, I'm going to go for. I love that. Yeah, I think you got to dream big and uh, try, to, try to just put yourself out there and go after it. Yeah, you'll never do better than your expectations. But uh, that was quite profound. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, Jim. And thanks, Mary, again for uh, for hosting, as always. Mm -hmm. And good luck to both of you this weekend in the Fast 100 and the Fast 50. Yeah. Um, or Fast 80, Yeah, Fast 80 yeah, or something. 80K, yeah, 80K. Fast 80 for Jim and the Fast yeah. 50 for Mary. I look forward to two podium spots. Yeah, eventually, 
just going to combine all the races. Yeah, yeah. And just all yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, to all of you at home, thank you very much for taking the time to listen in. Um, make sure you follow us on Facebook on SEMP Outdoor and Extreme for all Outdoor and Extreme Sports news. And I hope you enjoy your week of taking part in Mad Sports.